Hello, I'm Paulette Lee, and you're listening to Woman Worthy, real talk about real issues for women over 60. If you're over 60, you're still worthy of being heard. In making plans to travel overseas, I have on more than one occasion uh, briefly considered an international volunteer trip. It's a travel phenomenon dubbed voluntourism. And according to Save the Children, a charity that provides humanitarian aid for children worldwide, and incidentally for which I briefly worked, about 1.6 million people volunteer overseas each year. And the COVID pandemic has transformed the landscape of international volunteering. A February 2021 survey of 130 volunteer organizations and 239 international volunteers by the International Forum for Volunteering in Development found that the pandemic had, quote, spurred volunteer groups to offer more remote volunteering opportunities and consider expanding national volunteer membership in the future. Now, there are some key words in this statement. For example, to offer, expanding, and membership. I'll come back to those, but first, full disclosure, I am coming to this topic as a former nonprofit organization marketer and a retired international development communications professional. And that means I worked on US government funded projects in developing countries, mostly in Sub-Saharan Africa. Now, the terms I mentioned to offer expanding in membership are marketing terms. And marketing is about creating a perceived need, which the business then attempts to fill either by expanding its target audience or expanding its product line, its goods and services. Global Volunteers, which has been around since 1984, so since because it was, uh, before it was uh, considered trendy, calls volunteerism travel that feeds the soul. It's considered the fastest growing travel trend for all age groups and traveler types students, singles, couples, families, and seniors. But if you're thinking about it, and it may sound like a very good idea, there are some things you should know about this $3 billion a year industry that caters particularly to people who want a feel-good vacation. Yes, $3 billion a year, that's with a B. And all that money is not going to uh, the local foreign economy. As a volunteerist, you're volunteering not just your time, but also your cash. You pay the program or service fee, which typically includes modest lodging, meals, and airport transfers. For a volunteer uh, vacation, of normally about two weeks, but it can be shorter, even longer. You also have to add the cost of airfare and visa to the program fee, but those costs all may be tax deductible. They will tell you they are, the organizations will tell you that they are tax deductible, but you want to check first. So what about the costs? Well, Habitat for Humanity's Global Villages program 
uses groups of 15 people, half volunteers, half local staff, to build homes, hand washing, and healthcare facilities, as well as participate in other kinds of projects globally. Volunteers do not need special skills. What they do need from $1,650 to $2,500 per person to participate, and that money is often raised through donations from family and friends. Global Volunteers, which I mentioned before, and has very positive reviews from participants, claims, quote, you can be a tremendous help to a child in need, a community asking for assistance, a patient needing health care, a student wanting to learn, or a building in need of repair. We always work hand in hand with local people, so you will have the opportunity to make new friends while having an extremely rewarding, culturally rich experience, unquote. All for the cost to you of about $2,500 per person for two weeks. It's only a little less, actually, for one week. I could give many more examples, of course, but there are dozens, if not hundreds, of international volunteer organizations. Goodnet.org has a list of 10 which they claim are the best, and I will post that website uh, on the Woman Worthy Facebook page. So to return to the marketing reference, before you sign up for a volunteering gig, you should ask yourself about the perceived need that such a trip, a vacation, would meet. Ask, am I doing this for myself or for them? Well, if you're doing it for them, otherwise known in the international aid world as the beneficiaries, you're at best deluding yourself and at worst going to cause more harm than good. If you're doing it for yourself, you should also be asking what harm could you be causing in the process? Let's start by looking at the for them scenario. You want to do something worthwhile. You want to make a difference. You want to help. Maybe you want to teach a particular skill or bring a particular way of thinking, like your religion, to those you consider um, less fortunate or less evolved than you. But are you actually helping? Consider, for example, the many investigative reports that have now come to light about orphanages that bring in voluntourists to play with or read to children, children whose parents, or at least one, uh, are in fact still alive and are being paid to have their children appear to be orphans, who are then kept in deliberately squalor conditions in order to increase the volunteers' donations. That would be you and your sympathy. And that donation, of course, would go to the outfit that's running the orphanage. Actually, I did do that when I was living and working in Ghana, and I think I was working for a reputable group and with people who were very devoted and dedicated to the children, and I thought I was doing something good. However, I did not know at the time that studies have been done that show that such short-term connections can actually be harmful to children as not only are they not with their loved ones, assuming they actually do have some family, but they're exposed on a limited basis to a positive experience that's then yanked away from them. And so they feel betrayed. 
Even many legitimate tour companies now have so-called cultural experiences where you visit a school or a woman's collective or a local product making establishment. But how much of the money you pay to the tour company actually goes to the local entity or the craftspeople? as opposed to what they'd receive if you just donated or purchased without the tour company middle person. As for the doing it for myself scenario, you want to experience a different culture, a different way of life. You want to expand your horizons and you want to share all you've seen and learned with others. Well, those seem like worthwhile goals, right? Well, first do your due diligence. More on that a bit later. And find out whether you'll actually be doing anything worthwhile, whether you'll actually be accomplishing anything, whether you'll actually be doing something that needs to be done, and whether you'll actually be interacting with locals, and what, if any, harm might you be doing? What effect is your tourism having on the environment and the local economy? Are you helping people be more self-sufficient or encouraging the exploitation of workers at a minimum wage? Are you forcing your own culture or beliefs on them? And about those selfies of you helping the poor, afflicted, and downtrodden? In the development field, they're known as poverty porn, and they are definitely frowned upon. The selfie takers may not realize that their social media posts, from the photo to the caption to the hashtags, can perpetuate stereotypes and rob the subject of dignity or privacy. They also promote what is the rotten core of volunteerism, which is the concept of the white savior. To return to the orphanage scenario, the volunteerists' photos may portray the children as helpless and pitiful, while the volunteer is made out to be the superhero who brought something wonderful into their lives. And volunteerism can also encourage dependency instead of self-sufficiency. Let's take a look at what needs to be done. In 2015, all United Nations member states adopt, adopted the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. At the core of this agenda are the 17 Sustainable Development Goals, or SDGs, because this field loves its acronyms, and their call for action by all countries. The SDGs recognize that ending poverty must go hand in hand with strategies that improve health and education, reduce inequality, particularly among women, and spur economic growth, all while tackling climate change and working to preserve our oceans and forests. Each year, a Sustainable Development Goals report is published by the UN Secretary General and provides an overview of the world's implementation efforts to date. I can only find the, uh, a report from 2020 as being the latest, and the COVID-19 pandemic unleashed unprecedented crises, causing further disruption to SDG progress with children and the vulnerable, the poor, the aged, the disabled, and women in particular, the most affected. There's not much about which to be pleased in that 2020 report, and I doubt that much has greatly improved since then. 
The poverty battle was being lost, with under- and unemployment globally on the rise, especially in the informal economy, which is half the global workforce. That's the economy where people don't register or they're not paying taxes or they're not uh, working for registered companies. The woman who sells vegetables uh, on the side of the road or the man who is doing your gardening and so forth. Uh, not necessarily your gardening in the States, but, but uh, gardening um, in a developing country. Those are all informal sector, but they also exist in, in the U.S., of course. The more than one billion slum dwellers worldwide are acutely at risk from the effects of COVID-19, suffering from a lack of adequate housing, no running water at home, shared toilets, little or no waste management systems, overcrowded public transport, and limited access to formal health care facilities. Women and children are among those bearing the heaviest brunt of the pandemic's effects. Disruption to health and vaccination services and limited access to diet and nutrition services have the potential for causing hundreds of thousands of additional under five years of age deaths and tens of thousands of additional maternal deaths. And many countries have seen a surge in reports of domestic violence against women and children. We know in our own country that reports of domestic violence uh, have increased, as has the incidence of opioid addiction. Again, globally, school closures have kept 90% of students worldwide, that's one and a half billion, out of school and caused over 370 million children to miss out on the school meals they depend on. There's lack of access to computers and the internet at home, which means remote learning is out of reach of many. Vaccination services have been disrupted or terminated. There's a greater risk of child labor, child marriage, and child trafficking with the increase in poverty. Climate change is occurring much faster than anticipated. Ocean acidification is accelerating. Land degradation continues. Massive numbers of species are at risk of extinction and unsustainable consumption and production patterns remain pervasive. That's from the Sustainable Development Goals Report for 2020. So, can volunteerism help? Well, in some areas, yes. Not every region can address needs without some help. They may have a shortage of teachers that would be trained and experienced teachers, doctors or engineers, again, those people qualified to do the job. Hands-on labor may be needed to get a job done. Passport Health, a for-profit travel medicine company headquartered in Baltimore, published on its website in 2018 an article titled The Pros and Cons of Voluntourism. And it lists some of the pros as being giving volunteers a chance to do what they love while seeing a new destination, being a powerful and fulfilling experience, helping communities fill a need, experiencing a new culture, and possibly contributing to local economy. However, if you're paying for room and board to an organization, it may be that organization that's benefiting, not the local economy. Passport Health lists the cons as including dishonest companies. Do your diligence, and I'll come. Your due, do your due diligence, and I'll come back to that. 
um, being ineffective or even making a situation worse because the volunteer isn't qualified to do the job or even taking away someone's paying job. These are Passport House recommendations for volunteerism. Quote, look for reputable volunteerism opportunities and make sure to do your own background check, including uh, reading reviews online. Make sure to ask lots of questions, including what the trip cost includes, where you'll be staying, and what type of travel and or medical insurance or vaccinations you'll need. Really examine the skills and hours required for the volunteer work you're signing up for. Will you truly have the time for it and is it a match for your skill set? Research the cultural norms and background of the community you'll be working with. This will allow you to acclimate quickly and not make any cultural mistakes. Well, it's impossible to not to not make any cultural mistakes. Some other recommendations for um, doing your due diligence. These are not from Passport Health, but from other resources. Before committing to an organization, reach out to past volunteers to hear about their experience. If you have a special skill or expertise in a specific field, look for organizations that train and empower local staff. That way, you're making a lifelong impact for an entire community rather than a temporary one. Research the organization's credentials. Avoid organizations that encourage handling of animals when it is not veterinary research or conservation related. Highlight projects that are run or managed, again, by the local community. Seek out projects that are genuinely needed in the destinations where you want to volunteer. Ask yourself if the volunteer work provides a band-aid fix or contributes, at the very least, to a long-term solution to a local issue. Well, if you hadn't already guessed, I do have an opinion on volunteerism. Yes, uh, go ahead and do it if you're not being exploitative, but a better way, in my opinion, is to be a responsible and responsive traveler. Give the money to the locals, not the middleman or woman, through local businesses and projects. Meet locals through those businesses or organizations, or even by sitting in cafes or on a train or in a park and strike up conversations. Make friends. Leave the do-gooder persona at home and think about connecting with fellow human beings from whom you could learn as well. You know, you might need them more than they need you. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. You have been listening to Woman Worthy, real talk about real issues for women over 60. Tune in wherever you receive your podcasts with new episodes every Monday morning. You can leave your comments by downloading the Podbean app to your device and on the Woman Worthy Facebook page. I'm Paul Lee. I hope you found this program worthy of your time.